Good morning. It's really good to be able to speak to you this morning on this subject of thankfulness. Um, it's been a bit of a theme in my life really this year. I've really felt God's sort of saying to me, you know, you need to be more thankful. I'm not really sure how I'm doing with that in October now, but um, it's something I'm trying to do anyway. I don't know if you've noticed this week, but autumn has finally arrived, doesn't it? Yeah, we've had a few weeks grace. It's been like, you know, it's still warm, it's still nice. But I think we've had it now. Autumn is now well and truly on us. And that means only one thing. It's coming, isn't it? It's coming. The time of peace and goodwill to all men, the most wonderful time of the year, apparently, is now on its way again. Again, unbelievable how quickly it comes round. And for some of you, you will have an elderly aunt or a grandparent or someone in your family who right now, at this moment, has started knitting. Because Christmas is coming and that Christmas jumper that you are going to get on Christmas Day or the Christmas scarf or the bubble hat, it's already in production because it's October and, you know, it takes a while to do these things. And that's going to happen. And on Christmas morning, you're going to know you'll see all your presents and you'll see the one. And you don't even need to squeeze it or poke it or shake it. You know what it is. And as you unwrap it and you see that wonderful jumper in all its glory, you know you're going to have to wear it, at least for that day. And even more than that, you are going to have to be thankful for it. What if we could be more thankful Really genuinely thankful. And I've thought about thankfulness a lot, as I say, this year. And I've come to this kind of conclusion that we only really feel really, really genuinely thankful when we have circumstances in our lives where we really need something, you know, or the circumstances around us that give us a need, they might lead to us to be really thankful. And I can kind of try to illustrate what I mean. Um, If just before the service started, you'd come to me and you'd said, Rachel, I've got you a glass of water. There you go. Me being a reasonably polite individual would have said, thank you. But probably, if I can be really honest for a moment, in my head I would have been thinking, I'd rather have had a coffee or maybe some juice, something with a bit of taste to it. But I'm thankful, you know. For those of you who know me or know, in the last few years, I've run a couple of marathons. And if you'd have come to me at mile 22 and gone, Rachel, I've got you some water, I'd have gone, thank you so much. Yeah, exactly the same gift, but a total different level of gratitude because my need of water at that point would have been so great. And in the summer, we took a trip of young people to Bulgaria. A lot of you know that. And the one particular afternoon, we went to a gypsy village. Um, Over there, gypsies don't travel around like they do here. They've sort of, it's an ethnicity that live in a particular area. And we went to this village, and it looked almost like a Bulgarian version of the Black Country Museum. It really felt like you'd gone back in time. There was like the roads were kind of really cobbled, it was quite ramshackle. There was children sitting there with no shoes on and there was donkeys and carts. I think that was the bit that really I'm like, wow, people still use them, you know. And it was, we went into the church there and um, we were doing some kids activities and my particular activity that I was engaged with was making balloon shapes with balloons, obviously. Um, And I have three words of Bulgarian. The first one is Mishka, 
which means mouse. The second one is kuche, which means dog. And the third one is fete, which means flower. And you can probably guess from those three words the three things that I can make with a balloon. Because that is, that is it. <laughs> but these kids, you know, they were so... You know when children put their hands up and they've been told to sit down, but they're kind of, you know, I'm as near to standing up as I possibly can be and still be counted as sitting down. They were so excited. And the guys at the back who were having to actually blow up the balloons were like going like this madly for an hour. And they, the kids were just so excited to be given a flower made out of a couple of cheap balloons that's probably going to shrivel the next day, and I'm so glad we weren't there for that. But, you know, these kids had such a sense of thankfulness and gratitude over being given something so small. And a lot of the team said, you know, to each other afterwards, I wonder if we'd have had the same reaction if we'd have done that with a group of kids in the UK. They've got their Xboxes and their iPads and all the rest of it. And thankfulness can be so often related to the need that we have going on in our life. And that gives us, as 21st century Western people, a really big problem. Because we don't need an awful lot, do we? We have so much. You know, another Christmas approaching and already you can get a new sofa. And if you had one last year, you've only paid for it, so you've got another three years probably to pay for the one you had last year um, if you bought one in, in these kind of schemes that they advertise. And, you know, how many sofas does one need? If we're sick, we can go to the doctor. Nobody says to you, oh, have you got any money? You just walk in and they they give you the treatment that you need. We have roofs over our heads, food in our stomachs, water in our taps, and probably a fair amount of loose change in your pocket or your wallet. We are some of the richest people in the world. We have so little actual need. And this lack of need, I think, immunizes us from the feeling and sense of being truly thankful and truly grateful. It's something that we have to work on rather than actually kind of experience often. So does it matter? Now let me just get this out of the way. It does matter to your nan or your auntie who is knitting your jumper. They will really want to know how much you appreciate the time they've put in. They will want you to be really thankful And it's good to appreciate other people, but does it actually matter to me if I'm a thankful person or not? And I read this quote from a psychologist that said this, Studies show that gratitude not only can be deliberately cultivated, but can increase levels of well-being and happiness among those who do cultivate it. In addition, grateful thinking, and especially the expression of it to others, is associated with increased levels of energy, optimism and empathy. So scientists are telling us if you can cultivate this attitude of gratitude, you know, you're going to have more energy for life, you're going to be more optimistic, you're going to be more glass half full rather than glass half empty and you're going to have a lot more empathy to other people. That's a really good thing, yeah? And during this series, we're looking at the life of Jesus and um, asking, how did he live? And so I thought to myself, well, Jesus, was he a grateful person? Was he a thankful person? And I want to look at just one passage, and it's from the book of Luke in chapter 22. 
starting at verse 7. And the words will come up on the screen if you want to read them as we go along. And this particular story is called the story of the Last Supper. And even if you're not familiar with the Bible, there's a chance you might have heard of this story because it is really quite a famous one. And it happened right at the end of Jesus' life on earth. So I'm going to read from verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. Say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make your preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, and so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I'll not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So here we have this account of the last meal that Jesus ate with his disciples. Jesus knew that he was going to suffer and he knew that that week he was going to die. The week that he had lined up ahead of him was horrendous. He was going to be beaten within an inch of his life and then crucified, betrayed by his friend. If anyone ever said to you, you know, if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? What would you choose to eat? And it's a way of kind of trying to say, what's your real favourite food? You know, what really gets you? And I was thinking, you know what, if I was on death row and that was me, I wouldn't be very hungry. I think I'd probably do without. And here's Jesus celebrating this last meal. But what is his attitude? He breaks bread, he shares it, he gives thanks. He pours out the wine and he gives thanks. He's being thankful in a really horrendous situation. So why? Before I go into that, I kind of just want to backtrack a bit because that passage mentions something called the Passover and some of you will know what that's about and some of you might not. And I want to just kind of go through that a little bit. And the Passover is a celebration that the Jews do every year to celebrate a one-time event that happened way back in their history. A little bit like us as English people, 5th of November, you get your fireworks out. And if you remember, you're celebrating that Guy Fawkes didn't blow the House of Parliament up, although we often forget that, don't we, and just kind of like the fireworks. But this is a celebration of one particular event in Jewish history. And basically, thousands of years ago, um, there was a famine, and some of the one family of, of the Israelites moved into Egypt to escape the famine. And it was all good, all, everybody got along great, but they grew bigger and they grew bigger, and the family got bigger and expanded. And before long, after a few years, you've got this whole almost nation of Israelites living in Egypt, and things are now not going quite so well. And Pharaoh is starting to use these people as his slave labor in Egypt. 
And God isn't happy with his situation. So he speaks to a, a guy called Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and ask for all these people, all these children of Israel to be released. And this is my paraphrase of the story. You know, you can read it for yourself. But Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, can we go? And Pharaoh goes, what, me lose all my slave labor? I don't think so. And so God allows a plague to happen in the land. And this plague, basically all the water that they had turned to blood. It's just a horrible thought, isn't it? We don't like to think about that. And, you know, and it was a really horrible thing to happen. And so, you know, Pharaoh says, oh, can you stop that? So God stops it. Well, Moses, can we go now? No. And God's not happy. And so we move on to the second plague. And this went on and on for nine plagues. And through all of this thing that happened, still Pharaoh's being stubborn. And Pharaoh says, no, you're not going. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to get rid of all this slave labor that I have. And so God, as one final act, brings about this 10th plague, which was really horrendous. Because he said, okay, you know, my plans and my purposes, we've gone through this nine times. And he, what, the, what was going to happen was an angel was going to pass through the land and kill the firstborn in every family, a really awful thing. And so God says to Moses, there's a bit of a problem here because you see the Israelites also live in this land. So he says to Moses, get your people to get together, have a meal, kill a lamb. I don't know what you feel about lamb. I like lamb. My kids don't eat lamb because it, they think of fluffy things in fields, but I quite like it. But, and these people, you know, who there's no Sainsbury's, there's no cling film wrap. They're quite used to going and killing animals for their food. And so they have to kill a lamb for this last meal that they're going to eat before they escape to freedom. And what they're instructed to do is to take some of the blood from this lamb and daub it over their door frames. And the idea is then that as the angel comes through, he'll see the blood and he'll pass over and move on, which is where they get the word Passover from. So the blood of these lambs that were killed provided a protection for the people living in that house. And so, you know, long story short, after this devastating plague, finally Pharaoh gives in to what God wants and the people escape to their own land. And roll it forward to the time of Jesus and Jesus' last meal. And he's celebrating this Passover feast, this memorial that the Jews have to remind themselves of this one-off event in their history. So why did he pick that day and why was he thankful? Well, I had a think, and I mean, I don't know what was going on in Jesus' head, but this is my idea of why I think Jesus was thankful. You see, I said earlier that we really feel thankful when we see a need that we have and we see that need being fulfilled. And you see, we all as human beings have a need. And God looked down and he saw this human race that has this need. A human race desperately empty and desperately dissatisfied, always wanting more to try and fill the gap. We see it, don't we? We see it in ourselves. If I can just have that next thing, if I can just have that new job, if I can just do this, just do that, just go there, then I might feel happier and now I might feel satisfied. And it's gone on for the whole of human history. And we think now that, you know, 2013, you know, we're all kind of technological and we've developed and, and we've moved on and we don't even need God anymore. And yet you put on your TV set 
and you look at what's going on in places like Egypt and you think, have things actually changed? Has anything actually been learnt in the last however many thousand years? Try and stand here and tell me that the human race doesn't have a deep-seated need. And the Bible talks about this need like a spiritual death. People are spiritually dead. Sometimes we can refer to it almost like a God-shaped hole that you have in your life. And you try so hard to fill it with so many things, but somehow nothing quite hits the spot. And we believe as Christians that 2,000 years ago, God saw this need and sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die as a one-off sacrifice. And sometimes in the Bible you read words and you think they're a bit difficult to understand and you might read about a character that the Bible calls the Lamb of God and you might think, what? God keeps sheep? What's that about? But when it talks about the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God is actually a name for Jesus. Because in just the same way as the lambs in the Old Testament, the blood from them provided a protection for the people. So we believe that the blood of Jesus Christ when he died provides a protection for us from spiritual death. It's like a picture of the same thing. And a relationship with God is the only way to meet that deep need inside of a human being. It's through that relationship that we can do the what-ifs that we're talking about in this series. Last week, Dan talked about what if we could all love each other who are different from us. We have a problem with that, don't we? As a world, you look around, we have a problem loving people who are different from us. And if we could learn to do that in the way that Jesus did through this relationship with God, well, that would be world peace, wouldn't it? It would be world peace right there. But peace will only come when mankind settles his deep-seated need. And that is only possible because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. So when Jesus is about to share his final meal, although, yes, he was about to endure a really, really horrific week ahead of him, he had everything to be thankful for. This was what he'd come for. This was his mission. And what he'd done was he'd turned this Passover meal, which was a celebration of a one-off event in history that occurred with a small group of people once. He turned it into a celebration that actually can impact every single person that lives on the planet from that day right through into eternity. Whether you're a Jew or whether you're not a Jew, you might be young, you might be old, you could be black or white, rich, poor, slavery, anything. This is no longer a celebration of something as a one-off event for one group of people in history once. It's now something that impacts everybody, everywhere, for all time. We can all have a relationship with God. This is what Jesus came for. So when he took bread, he said, thank you. And when he took the cup and he shared his disciples, he's like, thank you. I've looked forward to this. Yes, it's horrendous. But look what's going to happen as a result. What if we were more thankful? We're going to actually share in a moment in in communion. And this is what we call um, this little celebration. We'll eat a little bit of bread and some juice. And it's a reminder for us as Christians of what Jesus did for us. Because we do forget. And you might be thinking today, well... 
actually, I'm not a Christian or I'm just checking this out. And, you know, we're really glad that you're here and that you do that. We as a church welcome people to come as long as you want to check it out. And you might be saying, you know, I don't really get all of that still. That hasn't really... But I really get that actually I need to be more thankful. I have so much to be thankful for. And I recognise that if I can cultivate this attitude of thankfulness, I can have more energy for life. I can be more optimistic. You know, I can have just more sort of get up and go about life and more thankful and get on with people better. And that might be enough for you today. You might say, actually, where I'm at right now, that's enough for me. And if that's you, that's great. As we go ahead and and do this shortly, if you want, you can just sit, you can watch, you can think and think about ways in which maybe you can be more thankful to the people around you this week. But I'd like you to possibly think about going a little deeper. Because when we take communion, we are recognising that we have a need of God. And we're recognising that that need can only really be met through a relationship with Jesus. And you might be again thinking, well, you know, I'm still checking this out, but I recognise that I do have that need. And I recognise that somehow, and do I understand it all? No, I don't. You know, do I have questions? Yes, absolutely. But I recognise that I have that need. And I recognise that it can be met. And I want you to push through today if that's you. You know, and and as this comes around and we take part, you know, in the quietness of your own mind, you just talk to God and say, God, you know, I recognise I have this need and I recognise that you have come to meet my need. But the final group as well, there's going to be a lot of people here who've been a Christian for a long time like me. And, you know, the problem is when you become a Christian, you think you're so grateful and you're so thankful and God changes your life and you're like, yeah. But after a period of time, you become a Christian and you start serving in the church and you start, perhaps you stop swearing and you start to live more of what people would think of as a Christian life and, and you go on and before you get too far, you forget that you have this need of God. And we start to almost think, well, I'm a good Christian, you know, and we forget that we're a Christian because of what Jesus did, not a Christian because of what you do day to day what you do day to day is the result of being a Christian but it's not the cause and every single one of us whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years we all still have that need of what Jesus has done for us and as I've been thinking about this this week and sort of mulling it over and praying and stuff you know I have felt a deeper sense of thankfulness because I've recognized I have a need And I'd forgotten that, if I'm really honest. And God reminded me, no, you have a need too. You are far from God without Jesus. With Jesus, you can have that relationship. I'm just going to ask um, for the band to come back and for the servers to come forward. I'll do this from a distance. And what's going to happen now that um, the band are going to sing a song which really just fills out this... Um, this story of what Jesus did on the cross. It's a really beautiful song and we just want you to listen to it. Guys, if you want to come forward and um, start actually handing this stuff out, that would be really helpful. Thank you. And when you get the bread and when you get the juice today, I just ask you just to hold on to it. Don't eat it just yet. 
and just listen to the song that these guys are going to sing. And then once it's all given out and they've finished the song, then I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray and we're going to share communion together. You know, it's, um, it's so important what um, Rachel has shared with us this morning. <laughs> and you might not have anything um, to give thanks for right now. I don't know what it is you're going through, but I had a picture um, and it came at the nine o'clock. I didn't share it then, but I really think it's relevant now. I had a picture uh, of a box of roses, <laughs> maybe because I'm hungry, but um, I had a picture of a box of roses and we often give them, don't we, to say thank you. <laughs> thank you sometimes is a one-time thing. It's thank you and it's done. But thankful, that's a lifelong thing. <laughs> we live out of that. You know, in the Bible it says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances. That's God's will in Christ Jesus for you. That is so different than just saying thank you. You know, this morning, whatever it is you're going through, you may not feel you can say thank you, but you can be thankful because you can hold on to God's promises. In the good times and the bad, God is on the throne. Let's continue to sing. Let's continue to worship. Let's continue to give him our thankfulness. Let's pray as we finish, Lord Jesus. We do. We, we stand in awe of you. We, we stand in, in thankfulness for all that you've done for us in our lives. Lord Jesus, it is only because of you that we can be in relationship with a loving God who cares for us. And we thank you for that. And God, as we, as we head out from here, Lord, I pray that we would live in thankfulness. The overflow of that would be what comes out of our mouths. And if we think ahead to, to the rest of today and to, to Monday morning, to, to the rest of the week, Lord, that we could live in that thankfulness in a very practical way. God, there are going to be opportunities, hundreds of opportunities in front of us where we can just carry on with our day and keep our eyes down and go with our agenda or we can break into it for, for a moment for a moment with a with a person in front of us and we can say thank you for them for for something that they've done whether that's as as, as simple as we've just bought something in a shop or whether we're having a conversation on the playground or at work and someone's carried out a task for us wherever and whenever we are we can live in that thankfulness and we can just say thank you and not only does that change that person's day who suddenly feels appreciated but it changes our heart and brings us closer closer to you God so I pray for hundreds of those moments in our lives as you send us out to, to be that to be that in the world that needs to hear the word thank you this coming week. I pray that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.